Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, this is Marty. Welcome to another edition of Perspective Transformation. Today with our guest, Victoria Cass, Peggy and Joy. I'm excited to have you here today and to share with you this week's ministry focused um, over at PerspectiveTransformation.com. You can get the downloads over there. And we're focusing this week on Isaiah 55. I'm going to play for you the version that I have playing in my headset a lot in just a few moments. But before I do, I wanted to focus on this week's aha moment from me, which is desperation that drives us to Jesus is a good thing. It sounds crazy. Why would we ever want to feel desperate? And in fact, none of us ever do want to feel desperate. And we don't go out of our way to set ourselves up to feel desperate, of course. But life can bring about feelings of desperation. And when it does, we have this amazing opportunity to recognize our total dependence on Jesus. It feels bad, but it's very good. So this week's aha moment is desperation that drives us to Jesus is a good thing. I'm next going to play for you the download you can get at PerspectiveTransformation.com of Isaiah 55 set to music. And this is a recording that I play over and over and over and over. I just love this passage. It's come, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And it's talking about buying things without money and about getting things without working for them. Actually, just not that we're supposed to become lazy or anything like that, but the reality of God being our total provision, God being the place we run, not only when we're desperate and needy, but also where we run whenever we want anything in life. There's just this awesome, amazing relationship we have with God the Father. So here goes Isaiah 55, after which I'll introduce our first guest. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me, that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the people, a leader and commander of the people. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve, the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree, 
and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. Hey, thank you for having me. You're Helen Trust from just outside of Memphis. Where do you live? Just south of Memphis, Tennessee, and North Mississippi, kind of right up in that northern corner between Arkansas and Memphis in Hernando. I have to tell you, you don't sound like a Mississippi girl. Well, I've only been here about 10 years, so I guess it hasn't really, you know, quite logged in just yet. <laughs> Where was home? Florida for many years. We lived in Pensacola. Ah and enjoyed the sun and the beach. That's great. That's great. Well, I'm down here taking care of that for you now. So. <laughs> I am jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I'm, I'm really happy to not be in the Minnesota cold today. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no doubt. It's, it's oh, uh, frigid. It is really bad. Well, we are here to share some of your favorite aha moments with God, and I'm excited to dive right in because you've got some really great ones here. The calm a purge offers far outweighs the pain. <laughs> okay, what kind of purges do you recommend or do yourself? <laughs> oh, well, I should do more than I do. That's quite honest. But the purge uh, here is just kind of, first of all, kind of related to our homes. And of course, everyone's talking about it right now, which is very fortunate for me because I didn't know that was going to happen. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're, you know, that clutter can build up in our homes very easily. Mm -hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter if we're talking about a junk drawer or a room with paper and books or what it is, but we can get cluttered easily. And then our homes become a place that are a little more chaotic. They're not comfortable. We don't enjoy being there. It doesn't feel peaceful. And um, the, the interesting part about that is that the same thing relates to our hearts. And when our heart is cluttered with sin, with guilt, with um, a past, mistake that maybe we're still dealing with or we haven't confessed, then um, we become cluttered ourselves. And then we really have to go in and we have to purge that because that's when the calm comes. That's when the peace that the Lord can offer us um, comes when we confess and forsake. And so the calm and the comfort that a purge offers is really kind of twofold in my mind. Yeah, I love that. And you actually have some books coming out about this about how the home uh, connects in with your heart. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, heart and Home is uh, Design Basics for Your Soul and Living Space. It's a 90-day devotional that is coming out in April. And I cover topics that are kind of design basics, um, balance, flow, harmony, um, and even a focal point and negative space. And negative space is that topic that we were just talking about, clutter. When there's too many things on a wall, um, you can't look at the wall and know where to put your eye. You know, you just kind of feel frazzled. Um, and so when we clear out some of the clutter, have a few less items, then we feel a little more calm. And so I relate that to verses in scripture that talk about the same thing that we need to have in our hearts and in our homes. Mm -hmm. And I get to leave a little design tip and then it's full color beautiful interior shot. Wow. And um, it's just been such a joy to work on. Um, and I'm just now 
um, looking at the printer sample of that book, which has been a lot of fun to actually see oh, it okay. you know, in hardcover. Mm -hmm. And then um, working on the edits for the second book, which is Heart and Home for Christmas, celebrating mm -hmm. joy in your living space. Um, and there are a hundred devotionals there, all about the season. And again, relating design and the calm that we need, um, design basics, all those different ideas that we talk about in the first book, but with a um, Christmas type theme. That's awesome. And then this is also a speaking topic that you do. Yes, ma'am. It sure is. Oh. Be willing to hear the critique. Yes. So one of the things, you know, that I've done in my life is uh, I have a master's degree in music education and I've also homeschooled um, as you did as well, Marnie. And so one of the things that we that I enjoy doing is teaching. And in the last few years, I've been able to start teaching authors and writers about building their platform, about how to um, how to be able to advance their careers because they know they've got a message that they they want to share. They have a story. And so one of the things that's difficult to do, especially as an artist of any kind, um, I think is to hear a critique. And it hurts because we want everybody to love our baby. And our baby is, whether it's a piece of music or um, a book, we want everybody to love our baby. And when they have something that feels um, negative, we take it personally many times. And, then, and many times that's not the case. A critique doesn't have to be a negative attack. It can just be, hey, this is where you can improve. So be willing to hear the critique is one of those teaching moments that I love to share with people when I have the opportunity. It takes me back. I was president of the Friends of the Library for years and years in uh, where we lived for 35 years in, in War Road. And before I ever wrote my first book, we, I had hosted a uh, author trainer. And she brought with, as part of the training, she brought with her one of her manuscripts. That she, and she's a best-selling author, many books. And she brought with one of her recent manuscripts. And she held it up and she said, I just want to pass this around and let you see what it looks like when you get it back from the editor. And what it looked like, it was like blood. It was like red everywhere, everywhere. There wasn't a paragraph, I don't think, that wasn't scribbled and circled. And it was just crazy. And I thought, this is a best-selling author who's got many wonderful books out there and still requires this much, um, this much editing. So it kind of puts things into perspective for us. If we're going to go to the next level up, we do have to be willing to take the critique. And I love that. Just, you know, you just set it right out there for yourself. Be willing. Um, it's going to change the outcome. Yes. And, you know, there are times when the critique is valid and we need to make changes. And there are times when a critique is something that oh, maybe, maybe not for us for today. You know, so there, there's wisdom that comes with hearing those critiques and being able to kind of learn what I need and, and what I don't. I always, I know uh, editors and even um, publicists, they will say, you know, you can tell if an author is a new author by how much they resist editing. <laughs> and the yeah. people that have been in it longer, just, you know, just already used to it. And this is just how it goes. <laughs> it's just what it is. It's just what it is. The grace of Christ fills the chasm created through disagreement. And this one is so important because disagreements do come up. Yes. And um, this is one of the topics that I talk about in Heart and Home is, is unity and harmony. And I mean, we can talk about it as it relates to the church. We can talk about it as it relates to our home. We can talk about it in a variety of ways. And, um, you know, I think that grace, when we understand what it means to us, 
that God has given it to us freely and um, as Christians at, that have accepted that grace that he's offered, then we should be more than generous to give back to others. And in that, um, I always try to, at least um, in our family, I try to tell um, our children, believe the best about each other. You know, when we truly believe that the intention of another person isn't to harm us or to hurt us, but just to um, be able to be understood, sometimes we listen in a different way to each other than when we think they're attacking us or when there's a, another motive for that, for that disharmony that's occurring. You know, it just goes right back to um, Hebrews 11:6, which is, in order to please God, you must believe he exists and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And this concept that we trust his heart, we don't understand what he's doing, but we trust his heart. And yeah. we just extend that kind of love then to those around us as well. And his, his healing and compassion comes in and um, it says, it says in Isaiah that his peace is what breaks down all the walls of division. And it's absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, when we are um, living with intentionality in the fruits of the spirit, we're going to exhibit those to others. And if we're not, then that's where those friction moments take place. And we can usually tell when we're being prickly that we're probably not where we're supposed to be. We're tapping into our own stuff instead of into the stuff of God. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. We find joy often gift wrapped with difficulty. Um, you know, I was writing about this recently, um, and I love to talk about joy, um, choosing joy. I, I memorized the book of James a couple years ago, and it was it made a huge impact on just my thought processes. Um, every time I, I, an, occur, an occurrence happened that wasn't easy, I'd think of something from James, you know, and choosing joy. But, you know, he talks a lot about the fact that, you know, in that difficulty, in that trial, that's where hope is produced, and that's what produces um, the long suffering, all of the joy, all of the things we have are, are actually byproducts of adversity, of trial in our lives. And not that we ask for, you know, pain or struggle, but that when we're in the middle of it, we can look and we can say joy is coming. There is joy coming. And even Psalms tells us there's always joy in the morning. Yeah, I love that. Just on, on Monday morning when I was running on the elliptical, my head sat down and I was listening to James chapter one. Over mm -hmm. and over and over in every different version that had audio available. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it, it's just such an amazing thing that he says, count it all joy when you run into trouble. Right. Wow. And it's hard to do. It's hard to do because we want yeah. to wish that away, right? As soon as that difficulty happens and, and I do it too, you know, I just want to wish it away. I don't want to have to go through that or I don't even want my children to go through hard times. I don't want anybody right. that I love to face difficulty. Um, but yet we know, based on scriptural evidence and what we're, we're taught from scripture, that, that that will produce joy in us. And that will produce something that brings God greater glory than if we always had it easy. Absolutely. And, and you know, just the reality that it's going to come. You can mm -hmm. be doing everything right. And in fact, sometimes it gets worse when you're doing everything right. Just look at Job. <laughs> I know. I mean, he is the perfect example. Absolutely. Yeah, and so we just know that when these trials come, God hasn't forgotten about us. He isn't being the bad guy today. It just is what it is. You're going to go through this, and you can either go through it with him, or you can go through it without him. And, and I just mean, I don't, I don't mean that he isn't there. I mean that you're not consciously aware of his presence, which, you know, honestly, 
like you said about joy, I always say my full-time job is choosing joy. I do a lot of other things, but all day long I have to choose whether I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always or not. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the command, rejoice in the Lord always. And it's it sometimes is. really tough to do. Nothing is wasted, none of it, the trials, the tears, or the pain. Yes, and this kind of goes hand, hand in hand with um, just talking about the trials that, that help create joy for us. Um, I was writing for an anthology a few years ago, um, Words to Cheer Your Heart. And, and one of those things is that I wanted to share with them was that none of it, none of the things that you go through are wasted. God receives the glory from each one of those things. He repairs and restores. He um, may not even show us the side of eternity, uh, but we know we can rest in the assurance that he works all things together uh, for our good and his glory. And when we can just rest in that, then we know that those tears that he's gathered up and he knows all about, he's written them down. He knows all of what we're, what we experience and what we go through and none of it is wasted ever. He promises that. You know, that he's, that he's bringing good out of everything. It isn't always like what I would define as good. <laughs> That's true. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't think that while Stephen was being stoned, that it felt good. It didn't. No. Um, and Jesus. And I'm sure he didn't understand it either. Right. And Jesus being crucified didn't feel good. I mean, it felt terrible. It felt really horrible to the point where he, you know, said, you know, God, have you forsaken me? Why? Why does it feel like you've forsaken me here? And so, you know, where we have these opportunities to trust God are the points where it feels like nothing good could ever come out of this. Yes. Those are the moments where we turn. Uh, that's where I think that verse, the sacrifice of praise really comes in. When you know, when you feel like doing anything except praising God. That's praise right. God. The, and I think those happen a lot of times, at least in my life, my experience has been when I've um, begged God for an answer that I believed was the right mm. thing that would glorify mm. God. And he said, no, um, yep. The no answers are the hard ones because I they think, are. well, God wouldn't want us to go through this. God doesn't want this to happen in our lives. Those are the moments that have been um, the greatest stretching of my faith, but also the ones where I've grown the most and realized how much he received glory from that. Um, and I still, you know, at this point, don't know exactly what that looks like. I think in eternity, maybe he'll share that with us. But I do know that that none of it's wasted because, he doesn't cause us to go through things in order to break us down or to make us miserable. I know that he is, he is always looking at what brings him the most glory. Right. And I do think he allows some struggles to come into our life just to show us what we're really got going on. Like that we've got all kinds of faith in something else other than him. Absolutely. Um, I do know. turn uh, to my knees a lot more when there are struggles. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Well, this has been so much fun, and it's gone really fast, but you guys want to check out Victoria Dewerstock, D-U-E-R-S-T-O-C-K, and uh, you can find her over at womenspeakers.com or by on her website by the same name, victoriadewerstock.com. Her new book's coming out, Heart and Home, Design Basics for Your Soul and Your Living Space, as well as Heart and Home for Christmas, and I'm so excited to see what God's going to do next in your life. And I know that you're available to speak to. So you guys, if you need a speaker, especially if you're looking forward to Christmas or something like that, she'd be the girl, but anytime is the right time. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Victoria. Thank you, Marnie. I appreciate you having me. I'm excited 
excited to introduce our next guest, Cass Fogel. She's one of our featured speakers at womenspeakers.com. She is an introvert and the author of an upcoming release, Beneath the Surface, Introverted Believer's Devotional Journal. Cass hails from Illinois, and she's here to share with us some of her favorite aha moments. Thank you so much, Marnie, for having me. It's um it's an honor. Uh, it's such a pleasure. I have enjoyed speaking with you over the last few weeks, and it's such an honor to be part of an organization with a bold group of women, whether introverts or extroverts, that are willing to speak in the name of Jesus, and it's just a pleasure. Oh, Thank you, Jeremiah. Yeah. Well, I love it, and you are, so you don't seem introverted, and I think that that's <laughs> kind of one of the points, right, is that we can't really just always tell. Right. Well, and introverts aren't necessarily hermits. After this interview, I will have expended so much energy, I'll probably go pass out. Or I'll have to go get another five cups of coffee. So uh, That's so hilarious. <laughs> so introverts do expend their energy in different ways, uh, okay. and they reclaim that energy in, in different ways than extroverts. And so really that's at the heart of introversion. Everything else is kind of a side dish. I love it. And you actually have a new book that you're just writing right now. You're finishing the writing process of it, but it sounds really cool. The working title is Beneath the Surface, Introverted, Believe It's Devotional Journal. So tell us a little bit about, like, how did you decide to write that? I was at a conference back in 2017, and I was actually there to pitch a Christian fiction novel, and uh, God just kept speaking to me during that conference about, you know, introverted guide, introverted guide. And he just kept speaking that to me. Uh, and I thought, uh, no, 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 I'm here to pitch a, a you know, my fiction novelist is, you know, great novel. And uh, <laughs> I just kept listening to it. But I started writing in the corner, IG, 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 uh, on things that I thought were introverted. And just over the course of time and through working with Platinum Literary, uh, they have really helped me seek what's really at the heart of what that message is. And so they've helped me a lot in gaining the energy that I need to put this book together. And it's a list of devotions for marriage, work, and friendship uh, so that introverts can kind of find that energy um, and come out to be bold in the name of Jesus um, and kind of come out of that comfort zone. So uh, it's a devotional journal. So each devotion has a journal that accompanies it. It has challenge questions, rooms for do, room for doodling, um, calls to action so that we can use that devotion uh, to use that energy for God because it is a devotion, which means it's, we're devoting our time and our energy to God, not self. That's so cool. Thank well, you. I want to dive, dive right into the quotes because yes, you got please. some awesome ones. When you focus on God instead of self, only then will you find peace in the heart of worship. So where does that quote come from? This comes at the beginning of my marriage when I had young kids and we were, we were just struggling. And it, it, I take a lot of that responsibility. I, I, all the attention went to the kids, you know, and none to the husband. And a lot of times they think that's pretty normal in a marriage. And we were just struggling. And I was going to church and I just found myself crying every time. I mean, I just come out of there bawling every Sunday. And one day I finally went forward and one of the elders prayed with me and he said, you know what, when, when you start coming to church to focus on God and worshiping God and you stop focusing on yourself, you will be at the heart of worship and you will understand what, you know, loving Jesus is really all about. So 
I, I, that just, it really, really hit me. And when you take that focus off yourself and you go and worship God and you start being at peace and you invite that Holy Spirit and you worship in a Holy Spirit way versus a um, workshop kind of way, it just is transformational. Yeah, it's so true. And I know, I know, uh, too, sometimes like for me, I would go and then like during the worship service, during the music part, I would just be worried if people thought I shouldn't be raising my hand or, you know, something like that. And it just was so freeing to get to the point where it was just like I was alone with Jesus and it was just focusing on him and not on everything around me, not on myself even. That's right. And, you know, we, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, you know, there's liturgical worship, there's evangelical worship, there are so many different ways to worship, and, you know, to be able to combine some of those, because, you know, you're devoting, again, your time to God, if I'm focused on the type of worship I'm doing, again, the focus is in the wrong area, so I really like to try and encourage people to find what they feel God needs from, you know, versus what they need, so... Right. Just here to worship Jesus. I love that. I love that. Okay. Your next quote is hilarious. It's (laughs) just three words. I annoy myself. (laughs) So why is that a thing? Why is that a quote? (laughs) Because as an introvert, when I walk into a room, I'm immediately thinking exit strategy. So when I go into the big box store to get groceries or I go to the little grocery store, I'm just like, okay, uh, head down, in and out, here's your list, go. And, you know, I got behind somebody who kind of used their their cart as just a lean-to and just kind of shuffled up and down, and I happened to be meeting her. And it was just one of those stories that I love to tell during a speaking engagement because it gets a lot of laughs, and I think people relate. Uh, when you're at the grocery store, you just want to get in and out. And I missed the opportunity to think, does she need help? Does she need a smile? Is there something that I could have done rather than my head down, focused only on me again and ready to get in and out? And I got to tell you, um, I take some things to the extreme sometimes. And if I can realize and recognize that and pull myself in, then I don't have to be that rude person at the grocery store that's like, get out of my way. <laughs> I'm here to do a job. <laughs> so it's funny. Yours is I annoy myself. Mine is don't be a jerk. I mean, I kind of have that same saying in a different way. Right. And when I say the Lord's Prayer in the morning, sometimes I replace, you know, forgive us. Forgive me for my sins as I forgive others for their sins. Yes, me. I, I say, forgive me right. for being a jerk to you. Just like I'm going to forgive others for being a jerk to me today. That's and, right. you know, sometimes we are. We're just like really self-centered. Like you say, just focused on what we're trying to do and everything else is like too bad. And we're just a jerk or we're just annoying. And it's, right. it's so great to just be able to kind of smile about that and say, forgiven, forgiven. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I annoy myself because I try to, you know, I have such good intentions. And I read blogs right. about people who pray on the way to uh, Walmart or something about how they can be a blessing to people. And I say, yeah, I'm going to do that too. And then I get there. I'm like, get out of the way. <laughs> and I, I'm annoyed with myself because, you know, it's not about how hard I work, it's about whether I, I receive that spirit of Jesus before I go in. Yeah, that's right. And right in the moment. Yeah, it's so easy to exactly. just get carried away with the moment. 
have faith like you don't even know there is a problem. Oh my goodness, this is an awesome quote. I love this. Have faith like you don't even know there's a problem. This is another one of my favorite stories, and I haven't told this one yet in a speaking engagement. I'm excited to do this, but I was coming home from the North Carolina Christian Writers Conference put on by Serious Writer, and I had I had a horrible trip home. Everything was just kind of run amok. The planes were late. Uh, there were just different things. I could feel a headache coming on. And as you come home from a writer's conference, your head's kind of full anyway. I, I, I needed to introvert for a while because I hadn't uh, for a period of four or five days. And I really just needed to uh, relax but couldn't do it. So I lost a credit card. I tried to get on the wrong plane. My, my other plane was late. And I was trying to get a hotel room and the lady on the phone was just not very helpful. And so we hung up and I was able to get a hotel online. By the time I got to my destination city, which is about a three hour drive from my home, um, their computer system was down. And by then, I was struggling with a migraine, and not just any migraine, but one of those oh, where the goodness. sounds and the light and your, you know, your stomach is nauseous. And I really just couldn't take anything but just give me my key. <laughs> and she said, there's no way you got a room two hours ago. She says, we've been sold out for weeks because the, the uh, uh, brickyard 400, 500, the Brickyard was in town. There was a major basketball championship or some sport championship. There was so many things going on, a big youth conference. She's, we've been, and she's like, I don't understand I, how you got this, this booking. And I just looked at her, I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> and I, like, hey, I have got to go to bed. So, you know, I didn't know there was a problem. Had I known all that was going on when I was still in North Carolina, I would have, I would have been panicking. I would have been anxious. And I thought, you know what? That is pure faith. When you can have faith, like you didn't know there was a problem. I just walked into the hotel room and said, here's my reservation. I didn't know all that other stuff was going on. That's what pure faith is. And I just caught myself thinking, would I have had that faith had I known there were all those things going on? <laughs> right? The answer right? is probably not. That's yeah. how I annoy myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, one of my favorite quotes is, um, I would have more faith if it didn't feel so irresponsible. Like how, can you, like, how can you not be worried about this? Like, more worried about this than you are, you know? That's right. But the reality is that faith is just trusting that God's got it. How can we measure the work God calls us to when we use our own measuring stuff? I love this. The measuring stuff concept is just so important it, it is i agree and you know we either use our own measuring stick or we use their measuring stick to measure us and when we're doing that um you know our our capacity diminishes our capacity to love our capacity to um encourage completely diminishes and we're either saying they don't measure up or we're saying they're better than i am and i'll never measure up and it just never works. We have to be able to use yeah, God's works. measuring stick and his expectations of us as friends. You know, I just read this morning um, in my devotion about being a companion. You know, as an introvert, I, I don't have huge groups of friends. I have, you know, a small group of mom mafia girlfriends that just are awesome. And we, um, you know, it says to be a companion, people that you match with. And 
if we're measuring each other and I'm measuring myself to my companion, it's not going to work. Instead, I measure myself first. Where, where can I improve? And I use the Bible to do that versus somebody's expectations of me. Stress is produced when we focus on us. Fortitude is produced when we focus on God. So what is fortitude? (laughs) I think that fortitude, I I used to say all the time, if you don't have the intestinal fortitude, uh, you cannot be an HR manager, which is kind of my my day job, if you will. And um, I think it's just that ability to be able to take in what you've experienced, process it before you react emotionally. And um, an ISTJ, if you follow the Myers-Briggs, and so I am a processor and a thinker um, versus a feeler, Uh, though my kids may think opposite of that. (laughs) I try not to react emotionally. Um, I try to process a lot first. But again, this connects to the story of I annoy myself because I was behind somebody at Walgreens. I had a huge sinus infection. I was late for work. I was getting medicine and all I could think about was, okay, I got to get through my emails. I got to do this. I got to do that. And this lady in front of me was paying for lottery tickets with pennies and, you know, pennies from her pocket, (laughs) her purse, pennies from her other pocket. And and I was just ready to get to work and take my medicine. And what happened was, again, that self-focus prevented me from seeing what God put right in front of me. A lady was paying for lottery tickets with pennies. There's a story there. And that story could have used encouragement. That story could have used love. That story could have used a helping hand. And instead, again, I was focused on self. um, And I missed an opportunity. Um, When I got back out to my car, there was a gentleman in the car yanking the tickets, basically saying, where have you been? And was just mistreating. um, And I then tried to take that opportunity to say, do you need any help? And she just smiled and said, you know, said a few words and got in the car. And and I said a little prayer for her uh, on the way to work. But that first reaction, again, was a little bit more self-focused. And again, that's how I annoy myself is those first reactions. And it really tells me I have a lot of work to do, but I also have a lot of resting to do because I need to just rest and not work so hard, but just be in the presence of God and say, work on me. Because really the transformation is only going to come from him. Yeah, for sure. So that quote again, what stress is produced when we focus on us. Fortitude is produced when we focus on God. I just love that. The freedom to actually be in the moment. I I was thinking about this just earlier this week about the importance of being in the moment. Like, Mm -hmm. You and I right here, right now, focusing 100% on what we're doing right here, you know, right. um, you in the grocery store behind the penny lottery buyer, um, <laughs> you know, being focused on that moment instead of the moment where you could get your meds, um, you know, just those opportunities we have and then they're gone. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's the gift of the moment, the present. <laughs> That's and right. I, I love that. I love that. That's right. We have to think beyond that initial moment and we have to be able to think, you know, we have to be able to think more long term and we have to be able to think about beyond ourselves and that initial reaction, uh, you know, what is integral to to each and every moment and how we can how we can further God's kingdom for that, not not our own um, and not our own. So do you have a favorite verse right now or a theme verse for life? 
Um, I do. You know, the, the James, I, I love the verse about God's wisdom and the wisdom from heaven. I have a picture of that in my office. And, you know, I, when I think about getting wisdom, there are a lot of um, great books out there. Uh, but when it comes right down to it, it is always about prayer. You know, God, give me your wisdom. Um, when I'm reading the Bible, please don't let me uh, interpret something that's not there. And don't let me take text out of context. I'm always trying to stay true um, to what God intends for that. And I, uh, that wisdom from heaven is, is exactly where it needs to be. That's great. Well, you guys want to make sure to keep up with Cass. Um, Thank you. You can find her over at womenspeakers.com, Cass Fogel, or her own website is her name, CassFogel.com. So easy to remember. The book she's working on right now is Beneath the Surface, an introverted believer's devotional journal. I am so excited about that. And if you guys are an introvert and want to have input in that, or if you know someone who uh, needs a speaker that can speak um, from that perspective too, consider Cass. Cass, thank you so much for your love. Thanks for just shining Jesus through your life and letting us be part of it. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I had a great time. Peggy Plowhar, CEO of Sped Homeschool, is one of our featured speakers at womenspeakers.com, and she's here to tell us a little bit about her ministry. She's a frequent writer, speaker, and blogger on special education homeschooling issues, special needs parenting, and practical biblical living. Thank you for being Hi. here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we met years and years ago at a homeschool conference up in South Dakota. South Dakota, of all places. (laughs) And um, I just love your ministry. You have such a special niche that you Mm -hmm. work with uh, parents of special ed um, kids who are homeschooling. And this has been your heart for lots of years. Many and, years. Yeah, uh, you're one of our featured speakers over at womenspeakers.com. I just wanted to share a couple minutes with you live here so you could kind of explain mm-hmm. your ministry a little bit. Your website is sped, special ed, spedhomeschool.com. And uh, Peggy, what do, what do you do in that ministry? Um, we equip parents. Um, that is our goal is to help parents be successful in homeschooling their kids who have extraordinary needs. And it could be anything um, from a simple disability to um, profound disability. And we try to get parents hooked up with the resources, the training, and the support that they need because it's um, it's a wild ride. I've been doing it for over 16 years. And I, my team and I know, know what it takes. And um, it's it's a it's a tough calling, but um, it's a rewarding calling as well. It is, and you speak um, you speak at different kind of events, not just homeschool mm-hmm. conferences, but you're available to yeah. speak at other events. And we were talking beforehand. You have mm-hmm. kind of a wonderful new topic that you've been sharing around us and getting good um, good feedback and reviews. So maybe tell us a little bit about overcoming doubt. Sure, um, you know. I think that's when one of the things that God has been working away on me for, for many years is that I always tell him, I can't do this. And in reality, I tell him, you can't do this. And he goes and proves me wrong. <laughs> and, right. um, and so it's, it's a talk that I, I share and I just help bring you through the mud that I've gone through and how God has just shown me that he can have glory in all of it. And mm. it's always going to work out for good. And um, whether I foresee that or not. 
Um, and there's, there's just so many instances in my life. And um, I wish I would have believed him in the first place, but I have a hard head and um, <laughs> it makes for very good storytelling. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and it's such a topic we can all relate to. And I think every person in the Bible could relate to it too. I mean, I, I go back and I, I just love, especially the story of Joseph, but so many of the stories in the Bible, but Joseph, I think, wow, he just really had to hang on to that yeah. dream for, you know, t- including 10 years of prison. But mm-hmm. basically once he went in that pit at the hopelessness that had to set in, that yeah. could never happen, you know, exactly. for me. And yet after 10 years of imprisonment, he's ready to just stand in front of Pharaoh and say, because yeah. of God, because mm-hmm. of God, this mm-hmm. great God I serve. <laughs> well, you right. know, there, there's nothing of me involved in this. And I, exactly. I think that's the, that's the beauty of it is that, oh, you know, the more that wonderful. I see that those doubts disappear, the more I see of God coming in and saying, this is my work. You glorify me because that's what you were made for. Right. And like you said, it's not all about us. I remember um, kind of getting to that point years ago. And for about a year, I wouldn't get out of bed, except in the morning before I got out of bed, I would say to God, (laughs) the only reason I'm getting up today is because I know that you're going to take my mistakes, my missteps, Mm -hmm. and my misspoken words, and you're going to turn them into beautiful flower gardens. And the picture I had into my mind was the picture of manure, that what I had to bring really was so (laughs) awful and terrible and stinky, and I just really had nothing that he needed. Yeah. But he was willing to take what I brought, just the mm. ridiculousness of me, and mm-hmm. turn it into something beautiful. And as long as we're on that page, then he can really yeah. use us. And it's mm-hmm. when we get all full of I can't do it, right, which is your whole talk, mm-hmm. I can't do it, therefore God can't do it. I love how you said that. You were really actually saying God can't do it. Yeah. And it's, we, we don't think of it that way, but I, that's no. something I talk about in in that talk and um it's kind of it hits you in the face but then the reality of it um can make you grieve about just how you've responded to god in the past and 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 that's where healing starts though is when we see where we have fallen and not allowed god to do the work that he needs to do think about that verse in psalms the foolish man in his pride does not look to god and how you know, it's humility that allows us to say, it's not about me, it's about God. Yeah. But then, like we were talking before we came live, it's that's where the joy is. That's where the freedom is, is yeah. recognizing mm-hmm. it's not about me. This is good news. It is very good news because if it was left up to me, it would be a mess. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Well, we can, we're just very limited. Our What we have yeah. to offer people is so very mm-hmm. limited, but what God has to offer is completely limitless. And exactly yeah. as much as needed in every situation, mm-hmm. which is so, so merciful. Mm, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you used to be a Minnesotan, and now you're a Texan. I'm a Texan, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you um you are close to I suppose the Houston and Lee City. We're we're on the south end of Houston. Yeah, there's okay. two two Houston airports, but both extremely close. <laughs> yeah. So if you guys are interested in learning more about Peggy, uh, womenspeakers.com, you've got a profile over there as well as your SPED, uh, S-P-E-D, homeschool.com. Mm-hmm. And um, do, you, do you have a favorite Bible verse you'd like to share? 
Um, the the verse that God has always, it's the one I roll into bed with saying, and the one I roll out of bed with in the morning saying is John 3.30, he must increase, I must decrease. And I say, God, okay, <laughs> just take a little bit more out of me, but don't, oh, you know, yeah. and some days it's more painful than others, but it, I know it's what I need because there's a lot of me in here that I really should not have. <laughs> Oh, right, right. Well, yeah. and that's the whole process. He's just, he's all about the journey and the process exactly. of purifying um, the ick out of us in order to get mm-hmm. to the gem that he built in there. And yeah. he's all focused on the gem, which is such an mm. encouragement. Oh, yes. <laughs> so very much so. Oh, thank you so much for being here, Peggy. Well, Love you. And God bless me. your ministry. Trastell is an author, speaker, and podcast host. She can be heard on Moody Radio Cleveland with Pause for Prayer. She's the author of The Great Cover-Up and hosts the Running in Flats podcast. Hi, Marty. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Great to have you here. And Joy is, of course, one of our featured speakers at womenspeakers.com, as well as you are uh, part of the Moody Broadcasting System. You do a, a pause for prayer program there. Yes. In so tell us a little bit about pause for prayer. What is that? So pause for prayer, the team on this pause for prayer team, there's about eight of us and we do it just because we love the Lord and we want to get his name and word out. So we each take turns reading um, a devotion that's pre-recorded and a prayer that um, airs about four times during the day. So I've been doing it for probably over five years and, and I, I love the radio just the whole ministry of, of Moody Radio. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Moody, what a, what a big impact that has yeah. on all of us. Uh, yes, globally. Yeah, yeah. The world. yeah. And then you also work with um, pregnancy centers. Yeah. So I'm, this is, you can see my office in the background. I work at a pregnancy center in Akron called Pregnancy Solutions. We're a faith-based center. And each day we sit down with women and, and help them process their pregnancy decision and we share Jesus with them. And so we are, we are pro-life and we're very excited about the women that come in here and we do ultrasounds. And when they see that heartbeat, sometimes it just changes everything. Yeah, it's real, really a baby. Oh, yeah. Thank you for all you do with that. Oh, my and pleasure. Of course, you're a speaker as well. Yeah. yeah. Very exciting. And um, so you just kind of fit that around your other stuff. Yeah, we're going to talk about that on one of the quotes. So, yeah, but it's uh, it's a big part of my life, and um, a lot of times I I work around that, and um, I love it. And you've been so helpful, Marty, for so many of us to help open doors. I appreciate your what you do, and you've opened up many invitations for me to say yes to, and and I love it. I, I love, love it. it. So happy to hear that. That's that's my heart, of course. I sit back yes. and say, God, open doors, open, open doors. doors. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Well, we are going to share some of your favorite aha moments with Jesus. So I'm going to start with number one. Don't let your platform become a pedestal. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. So that came to me one day when I was, you know, praying about my speaking ministry and, you know, asking God for more opportunities. And over these years that I've been speaking, he's really refined me. And one of the things that he's had to remind me is, Joy, you're just a vessel for me to use. And I think if you're a speaker, you can relate to this. Anytime you're on a stage, people are going to see you as some type of expert or leader. And a lot of times they'll want to say and talk afterwards. And that is great. 
But I also need to make sure that I'm, with humility, I'm reminded that I am, I'm a vessel for God. And God reminds me that when I speak, I only should desire that audience of one. And if it's not to have the applause or the affirmation, because that can be affirming and contagious, but to, to, say, to say with humility and realize that God has given you a platform, but it's his message. And it's not for you to get all um, inflated about and to make sure you don't put yourself on a pedestal and even allow others to do that. Right. Yeah. And it does, it just takes effort. You have to keep thinking about that. I remember at one point I started kind of um, believing what people were saying about me. Yeah. And that was a problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people, yeah. What is Jesus saying about me? Yeah. <laughs> so, I even, uh, recently I was speaking and I even prayed this odd prayer as said, Jesus, don't let anybody tell me what a good job I did because sometimes I didn't handle that well. I handled it. I go, Oh, okay. You know, so that's an odd thing to pray, but I had to stay humble. Yeah. And, and, you know, and God really helps us out too. You know, he's yes. right there to help us be humbled if we want to be humble. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. I can help with this. Still a need, share a truth, simple evangelism. So I think sometimes when we, you know, we've, we've all been called to make disciples. God didn't say uh, the pastors, the speakers, the, the theologians. He's called all of us to make disciples. And, and part of that is evangelism. And I think that world really, that word scares people like, what if they ask me a question I can't answer? Uh, what do I say? And what I had seen, especially here at the pregnancy center, is you have to build this bridge to, to be heard. And I think the way you do that is, is you feel a need and you look at the scriptures. Jesus a lot of times took care of like um, physically, like the woman at the well, yeah. he, he filled a need and then that relationship starts to build and then you can tell them about Jesus. So I, I just don't want people to overcomplicate sharing the gospel. And I think the other thing that really helps too, is to remember that you're mm -hmm. sowing seeds or maybe mm -hmm. you're watering seeds. Yeah. Or maybe you're harvesting, but probably not all three on one day. Right. I mean, it's like sometimes yeah. you sow and sow and sow and don't see the results. That's okay. That's not your problem. That's not no. our responsibility. Right. Right. Um, it's God that actually, you know, yeah. harvest. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Do, do our job today, whatever part we get to right. do. Be bold, be courageous, but always be kind. It goes into that evangelism thing. We probably have seen a lot of people share the gospel. And I often sometimes ask myself, would I have responded in that way? And I remember when I came to Christ, because a loving woman, woman shared the truth of, of Christ. She didn't put her own truth in there. It was God's truth. Um, she was bold with me and she was so sweet. And I think sometimes um, it goes back to that. We want to build bridges and not walls. And when we're saying it in a really like hateful way, I mean, who's really going to listen to that? I mean, I know God can use anything. And one of the things I recently just came back from the March for Life in Washington, which was amazing. And I saw people voicing their opinions in so many ways. And the one that didn't get a lot of response was the people that weren't doing it in love. I think we can say, Barney, anything. God was what? He was a God of truth and love. We can say anything in love. Yeah. And yeah, you know, there's a lot of things screaming at everybody all of the time. 
right. there's not a lot of things loving them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I think whatever we say, just say it in love. Say it in love. I love that. Yeah. You can have it all. You just can't have it all well. As I look back in my days, I'm a mom of four. They're all grown and out of the house. And I used to have my hands in a lot of things. And I realized, um, I mean, we just can't do it all. You know, I tell people only superheroes wear capes. We don't have, I don't have a cape on my back. I don't have any uh, special powers except what the Lord gives me in spiritual gifts. We all have the same hours and minutes of the day. And I just don't think you can do, you can't do a lot of stuff really well. Does that make sense? Like I think God, and what I have realized is God has gifted me in a certain way and I need to minister in those gifts. And when we do that and we put all of our effort, I mean, he's called other people to do other things. And I also think when we try to do everything, maybe we have taken up a spot that God really meant somebody else to do. So give yourself a break. You just can't do it all well. Yeah. And it's, you know, mission vision and getting really clear about what God's calling you to do. Um, you, like yeah. you said, you cannot do everything, not even everything good. So yeah. you just have to be able to narrow it down. Yeah. Um, and even through speaking, I realized, Marty, just in the last couple of years, I would say yes to almost every event that came my way. But I realized I'm starting to be a little selective with some. And I'll give you an example. I got a request one day. Somebody wanted a um, a comedian. <laughs> I'm like, okay, like, could I just Google some jokes? I'm like, nope, Joy, you're not a Christian <laughs> comedian. Right. <laughs> Give that right. to the person that God designed that way. So. Right, right. Play to your strength. Absolutely, and then you know, and then it's a, it's just such a it's such a peaceful way to live. It's yeah, to walk with Jesus where you're supposed to be going. Mm-hmm. I love that verse um, where Moses is talking to God on the mountaintop, and God's mm-hmm. like, "Okay, I'm done with these people. You can go, but I'm not going with." And Moses says to God. If you don't go with, I don't want to go because you're the distinguishing yeah. difference. Amen. And yeah. It's like, you know, we can do anything. Like he could take those people the rest of the way, but not without mm-hmm. God. Like, I know. Yeah. yeah. And when you put that margin, like, um, you know, when you know what your what the yeses are, I mean, then you're like, I love my life right now. I have a lot of margin for rest hmm. because I had to say no to some things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's seasons too. I always like mm-hmm. to think about the season of the new baby, and none yes. of us would say to that new mom who's exhausted, mm-hmm. we would not. Any of us say, "You need to be getting some sleep. Just don't yes. go get that baby when they cry in the night." You know. Right. And there's other seasons like that too, where you have a deadline or something, and you're mm-hmm. rushing and running really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I just came off, you know, I just came off a 14 year season where mm-hmm. it felt like that. It was so long. Yeah. And um, the week after we sold the last thing, um, I, I went to church and God just put in my heart that I had just completed a 14 year marathon. Mm. And that was such a good analogy for me because mm-hmm. I thought, right. Yeah. And I got people around me who are in a marathon right now, for whatever reason, God has them in a marathon. Mm-hmm. And the last thing you need when you're in a marathon, the last thing you need is for somebody on the side to be screaming at you, stop, take a break, take right. a nap. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Somebody to be giving you a cup of water. Yeah. Um, right. You know, so there are these seasons, but the reality is that we're not supposed to always be running. 
Mm-hmm. There, there yeah. has to be time for right. rest. And, yeah. and even, even along the marathon of those 14 years, at some point, God had taught me I needed a whole day of rest every week. Every week. That was yeah. hard to get. It was, took a lot of work to get that. Yeah. I think it saved me. I don't think I would have lived through it. Yeah. <laughs> it probably feels good once you do it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's so worth it. And God knows what he's doing. So. Leave the digging up <laughs> of past to the archaeologist. I love that one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think everybody can relate to this, especially, yeah. you know, when I meet with girls at the pregnancy center, they're, mm. they're, there's some shame they share. And, you know, when sure. we say that Jesus is, you know, God has forgiven you, he's letting it go from, you know, why can't we? And I think that's a voice from the enemy where he wants to remind us, oh, but Joy, you're not, you're not worthy. That, remember that last time you spoke and you, you stuttered, you know what I mean? So we have to remember that, um, God has forgiven our past. He can use those paths to, you know, uh, minister to other people. But we need to leave it there and quit picking it up. We don't need any more baggage. You know, we want a lighter load. Because Jesus has said, I have forgiven you and forgotten it. Far as the east is from the west. I like that. And I love that we can just trust that he's got us and that we can move forward. Give everything, waste nothing. So this came to me one day during the sermon, and I thought, um, I just, if I'm going to, I just, when I stand before God, which I don't know if he'll do this, I don't want him to say, look what's undone. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be in such a relationship with him that I know what to say yes and what to say no to. And if I'm going to hit my head, if I'm going to hit my pillow at night exhausted, I hope it was for the gospel of Christ and hope that I gave everything that he gave me and left nothing that he called me to do undone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's back to that, you know, just pray without ceasing that constant Mm -hmm. interaction. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing right now? Or what am Mm -hmm. I supposed to do today? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not that God isn't for long-term goals and planning because he has us all through Mm -hmm. the scripture. I mean, Noah, (laughs) that was a long-term plan. (laughs) But, um, but, you know, still, Still, even with that long-term 100-year building plan for Noah, he had to get up every day and say, what should I do today? Today. Mm-hmm. That was a huge plan. I mean, right. how, how would you even know where to begin? Right. So, yeah. Um, God showed him. Yeah. For each of us, we have this beautiful opportunity to, mm-hmm. and, and it's all about relationship. Everything, all of those rules in the Bible, everything, pray without ceasing and everything is just to draw us closer to Jesus to mm-hmm. increase that dependence on him. Mm-hmm. And so whenever we feel frustrated or we don't have enough time or resources or whatever it is, it's just Jesus saying, come back and talk to me about it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And um, your name is, and you guys can see it on the screen there, Traxel, but um, that is your website as well. Just joytraxel.com. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, you can find her over at womenspeakers.com as well. Yeah. What's like one of your favorite topics right now to talk speak on? Uh, probably one that I'm called, um, it's called Running in Flats. I have a new podcast out called that. And basically, it's, um, it goes, it's based on, we used to do this race at the shelter I used to work at. And, you know, you won't see a marathon runner running in high heels, right? Because if he wants to go the distance, he's going to prepare for the journey. So I talk about preparing for the journey and running towards Jesus, running towards the cross, running towards the mess, and then running towards mission. So that's my favorite right now. Oh, to talk about. I love that. Yeah. yeah. It's very catchy, too. 
<laughs> yes, you remember it. And people, and it opens up a conversation. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, right. you want to go the distance, you got to run in flats. Yeah. Run in flats. I love it. Well, thank yeah. you, Joy. Thanks, Marnie. And thank you for joining us today for another edition of Perspective Transformation here at Blog Talk Radio. As you have been here with us live, or if you're listening on one of the syndicate stations or in the archives, welcome and God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next week at PerspectiveTransformation.com. <laughs>